Um, good. You know, it's, um, it's doing well. It's hanging in there. You know, it's fighting the good fight. Um, it's not blowing the doors off of the publishing industry. Um, Barnes and Noble isn't, you know, doing displays, <laughs> you know, Christmas tree towers of it, uh, unfortunately, but, um, no, but it's doing, it's doing well. There's, I'm, I'm very, when you put a book out, um, you know, you want it to sell well, but really you want it to be well received, uh, by readers mm-hmm. and you want people to enjoy it. And cause that's, it's a lot of work and you want it to be something that people, uh, have a good experience with. So, uh, the reception is, and that front has been great. Uh, probably my highest rated, I think it's my highest rated book and it's got, you know, way more readership than my other books, which were, um, which didn't sell as, as well. Cause they didn't have the big five distribution or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I'm, you know, I had no complaints and, um, and I did the tour, which was fun. Um, earlier this year, seems like years ago, but I guess it was just a few months ago. Um, so that was a lot of fun meeting readers and meeting booksellers and um, getting out on the road. And um, so I was glad I was able to do that. And uh, yeah, so, so far so good. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, uh, I'm about, I think about three quarters of the way through boys in the Valley. Um, actually it kind of got me thinking cause so the way that I, not really the way that I write, but I'm the type of person where, or I guess the type of writer where if I'm reading something, that's what I want to write. And so I have to be careful about what I'm reading if I'm trying to work on a specific project because it will inevitably influence whatever I'm writing and it could change the course of a whole story. But period pieces are something I have been giving a lot of thought to. And uh, I was just kind of wondering for because Boys in the Valley is 19th century. And I was just kind of wondering what um, like the extent of the research that goes into that, like how important is um, like getting... I don't know how I want to ask it. Like, I guess just creating that atmosphere of, of being in the past like that. Uh, yeah, it is extensive. Um, I won't lie to you. It's, um, you know, it, it kind of depends on the, on the book. So I have, I wrote a I've done three, I've now done three, we'll call it historical stories. I did a novella called Shiloh. Um, the whole story takes place during the battle of Shiloh at the American civil war in 1862, December 2nd and 3rd, I think, um, I could be wrong about that. May, May, December 5th or 7th, but, um, or April, I don't know, but it's 1862. And, um, and then I wrote boys in the Valley. And then I wrote another novel called Serafina, which has been announced that's coming out in August of next year from earthling publications. So all three of those were historical the reason I'm bringing them all up is the first one Shiloh was very, uh, the research was very battle focused. It was very, the whole story took place in over the course of three days at the battle of Shiloh. So I was really very micro focused on military movements, weaponry, you know, uniforms, uh, land, you know, geography, um, so it was all about the battle and it was all about, I really had to, I didn't really have to get into anything outside of that little microcosm boys in the Valley. Very similarly, the whole story takes place in an orphanage in a remote, um, Pennsylvania, you know, area of Pennsylvania. And the, and the whole story is pretty much there. So except from the opening, which you, you read, um, but so, um, so again, I just really had to focus on what was, you know, what, what the boys, how they would talk, 
um, words they would use, words they wouldn't use, um, what they would be reading, what um, how they would go to the bathroom, how electricity was, how heat was. So it was really, but I didn't have to worry about anything outside of um, of the of this building, really, other than small like things I would have to look up if I referenced maybe like I think I referenced a city um a main city along the coast at one point so but for the most part it was all pretty contained Serafina was a much different beast because Serafina also takes place during the American Civil War also takes place in 1862 starts at the big battle of Shiloh um but then these three brothers um who are fighting for the Confederate army they go AWOL, they desert the army, and they try, and the whole book is about them basically trying to get home to Natchez, Mississippi, and then they come across a cabin in the woods and horror ensues. So, but it was, I had to, so I had to research all the military stuff again, because I wrote Shiloh like five years ago. I had to research, you know, flora and fauna of that region at that time, the politics, because, you know, they're talking to a lot of people, you know, the Natchez Trace, the Natchez Trail, how that was operating, you know, how, what was Natchez, Mississippi like? What was the Mississippi River like? What was transportation like? So that was like a whole world that I had to research. And that was, it, it, I described it as when I was writing it, as I felt like I was writing a book report every page. And um, inevitably things would come up where I'd be like, oh, what kind of trees did they have? What kind, because you want to, you know, you want to, you're writing fiction. So you want to talk about, um, the swamps and the trees and the land and the ground, you know, how, and how they got around. And so anyway, that was really a, a lot of work. Um, and hopefully I won't do that to myself again anytime soon. My next couple, next three novels, one's a science fiction novel set in the near future. So I don't have to worry about it. I can make shit up. And then the other ones are like, um, our present day. So, uh, so yeah, it, it is a lot of work. I don't know if I recommend it. <laughs> but if you do, uh, if you do decide to do it, uh, you know, try and keep it contained would be my, would be my advice. And so you just try to keep it to a, a single, to keep it to St. Vincent's and not the entire state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, right. if you could just keep it to saying. one room, that'd be the best case scenario. One <laughs> that would be ideal. <laughs> For sure. Um, I actually wanted to ask, is there any other, um, any other time periods that would ever interest you in terms of writing fiction set within it? You know, I, I wasn't even that interested in the periods that I wrote about. It just happened to be the, where the stories took place. You know, I was interested in the stories. I was interested in these. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that these to have, you know, the idea of um, soldiers going AWOL because it happened a lot. You know, a lot of soldiers deserted during the Civil War. And um, and then I just had so my like that idea, for example, was like kind of cool if some brothers, you know, or some soldiers went AWOL. And they wanted to get home, but you know, and I was like, and I was thinking, like, man, it'd be hard to get home because if you lived, you know, three states away, you're not getting on the, you're not calling an Uber, and you're not getting on a train, and and you can't really get on a boat because, and you got to watch because because you got you got to be careful because you can't get caught, and you can't really stay in the main roads, so they have to kind of go through the 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 and the wilderness, and that part of the country wasn't really developed. At that time, a lot of it was Indian country and who were being um, the Native Americans at that time were being pushed across the Mississippi River, sadly. And so there was a lot going on. And so um, so it was just but yeah, but that's how the story came about. And then I just happened to have, to, you know, in order to write that story, I had to do that, 
that time period. Um, so, but no, there's no, I mean, I, I mean, there probably will come a day where I will write a World War One, or, you know, World War, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm kind of a war um, research guy. I like reading about the battles and the mm -hmm. tactics and the machinery at that time. And, and obviously, um, you know, obviously it's, it's so devastating, but like, you know, but I, but I, I, I do, um, I dig reading all that kind of military history stuff. So I could see doing like a, um, something set during like maybe World War One um, at some point, but that would be a down the road, a down the road. Yeah, want to give I, yourself a break from being a historian yeah, for it's, a little it's, while. It's, it, you know, I don't mind the research. Um, it's my job. You know, this is my job, so I don't mind it. But I, um, but it's it's I don't like the. It takes me so long um, to write something and, and I don't like the start and stop nature of it. Um, yeah. so those are things I, that I dislike about doing those pieces. I, I'm very happy with the, that I wrote the book that I wrote. Um, this is actually a, 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 a little advanced peak of it right there. So oh, think, nice. But, um, I'm very happy that I wrote the book that I wrote, but I, I, um, I, I just kind of want to like my you know, next couple of books. I just kind of want to like write them. I don't want to have to like sp spend so much time researching and have to and make it be such an arduous process. I just kind of want to write, write a story. Right. For sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and the plot you were mentioning about, I, that was, uh, that was Serafina you just held up there. Yeah. Um, that's well, this is my the... own. This, this is not the, this is not an official arc advanced reader copy. Um, this, so what I do is <clears throat> whenever I finish a book, I, I go to Amazon and I, and I, and I print a bound copy for myself. And I read oh, okay. that copy um, before I submit it to um, a publisher, and it can, it's kind of my last line of defense for edits. Um, gotcha. So I edit the book Smart. as a bound book because I find things in the bound version that I don't find in like a full page manuscript or on the screen computer screen because you read it differently. You're kind of you're kind of more reading it like a book, so you catch things that you probably wouldn't catch, or for me anyway, that I I don't catch. Um, I, so that's kind of my own personal yeah. gotcha. no and that's smart which i can attest to because i uh i released my first novel earlier this year um i shopped it around a bunch and then partially because of the advice of i don't know if you know matt bartlett um sure yeah, yeah um he he kind of <laughs> nudged me in the direction of self-publishing which he's had a lot of success in and mm -hmm. um so that's what I ended up doing, and it, it's been great. I'm glad I did it that way, but I I edited it, edited it probably too much. Like, I, I was, I probably read through the book 10 times because I've read so many self-published novels, and it's just yeah. littered with errors, and I did not want to lump myself in with the other 20,000 books that'll be self-published this year or whatever. But anyways, yeah. as soon as I got, I thought it was perfect. I had read through it on my computer so many times and then i thought it was perfect got my first arc and i i just opened it up to a random page i read through like three pages and then boom found an error yeah and i was so i was like oh my god of course well but, dude i read books that i mean i you know i read stephen king books that are you know they print a million copies of and i find mm -hmm. errors. so it, it, yeah. it's always going to be look you're never going to catch everything it's impossible i think but um <clears throat> you just do the best you can you know, with, with, um, you know, when you have a bigger press, they, they do, you know, they do a lot of the proofreading for you, which helps, 
even like indie presses, you know, do that to a degree, but yeah. it's, it's, that's the scariest thing. I mean, I got, I don't have, I was looking to see if I had it handy, but I don't, but like when I got it, I got, um, boys in the Valley, right? So boys in the Valley was published by two different publishers, technically three different oh. publishers. Cause it was published by orbit in the UK. First it was published by Earthling, then it was published by orbit in the UK and Nightfire in the U S and I still found, I was doing a reading at one of my tour stops and I found an error and I was like, <laughs> unbelievable. Like <laughs> 30 people have read this book critically with an eye on yeah. fixing stuff and still this one thing slipped through. So they're fixing it in the paperback edition and I'm sure I'll read the paperback edition. I'm sure I'll find another error. Find but, another um, one. But yeah, so you just never, you can never find everything. It's even if you have 20 people in a, an army, you know, uh, reading it for you, there's always going to be one or two that slip, slip through. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I read. Don't feel bad is my point. Don't feel bad. Right. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I've, I found in the biggest books in the world that I've found errors in like it before. And like, that's gone through 20 different publishers over the years or whatever. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sweating it too much. I'm, I'm very yeah, happy. But if with you're the way right. It you're out. right to pay attention and you're right that a lot of, you want to put out a professional product, Yeah, you know, you want to, you want it to be well formatted and you want it to look mm -hmm. good and you want it to read well. And, and if nothing else, not be, not be sloppy or a lot of, over but i somebody and somebody even commented on one of my books like i couldn't get past all the errors uh they like like their typos and i was like i don't like i don't sometimes i think people just make stuff up but i was like i don't think there's yeah. that many errors in that in that book but so anyway but yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a horror and it's always like it's always uh, somebody made a joke about this on twitter once where like the second you send a manuscript to somebody, whether it be an editor or a publisher <clears throat> or whoever, or <clears throat> someone for a blurb or something, literally, if you look at that same manuscript in the next 30 seconds, you'll find an error on the first page. It's, it's <laughs> it does seem like that. It really inevitable. does. <laughs> um, so the genres that you have written in are, Actually, no, let me get to that later. Uh, one thing while it's fresh in my mind, I was rereading or I have been rereading. So I've kind of bumble around short story collections, which I know is probably not the preferred way. Like I, I, my first read of a collection by a single author is always, you know, cover to cover. I don't skip around. But um, so Beneath the Pale Sky is one of my favorite collections, period. I love that one. And The Wheel is one of it's my favorite story in the collection and um i was just kind of wondering because in my head as i read that story i can like picture you in line at you know at a ferris wheel and there's an asshole of a uh of a, you know guy working the gate or whatever and I, i'm just kind of wondering where that story came from like how did how did the wheel come to be and is it oh, based man. at all in reality not you know the tragedy or whatever but no, none of it's based in reality. I mean, I do live in Los Angeles, and so it, 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 the story takes place for the most part on the Santa Monica Pier. So that is all that's based in reality. There is a Ferris wheel on the Santa Monica Pier, very famously. Um, there are restaurants on the Santa Monica Pier. Uh, there is an airport in Santa Monica. All that stuff. So all that stuff is based in reality, and, I, and I'm familiar with those things. Um, I've actually, you know, because I've worked in film and TV for many years, so we've filmed in the airport or I filmed on the pier. So I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with, with all that stuff. Um, but as far as like the characters or the, or the action, um, where that takes place now, all of that was made up. I don't remember, 
<clears throat> what I I don't remember the impetus for that idea. Um, I honestly don't. I think I just. I think anything I could tell you that would be like where the idea got sparked would be a spoiler. So I'll just say that I just I think I like the idea of something bad happening on a Ferris wheel. I, I definitely like the idea of, and it's fun for for me. A lot of my short fiction, I take very everyday situations and I turn them into nightmares um mm -hmm. with whether it be a community pool or a, a you know cornfield wedding or you know whatever um I, I really like to do that so um i think that was just one one more thing where i was like how could i turn this very mundane you know thing this you know a ferris wheel on a on a pier ocean pier into a into a horror show um yeah. was interesting to me so that's kind of what that's that's why i did that oh, it worked right. out I, th I like that story too thank you i mean you know I, I say i like that story i don't love all my stories but that one was a lot of fun to write yeah no i just and like you said i don't want to get too into like spoilery but just the whole the from when the bad stuff starts to the end of the story is just it's some of my favorite like descriptive writing ever like i said i don't mean to like sing your praises overwhelmingly or anything but i just i love that one let's um, do it um did you read <laughs> if you have if you happened uh to have read um i have a story in behold the void called mandala it's the last story in uh the, I, I it's know about the kid who's handcuffed to the in the cove yes I don't know if you've read that one or not. I believe I have. It's anyway, been a while since I read it. All I was going to say was if you like The Wheel, you might like that story too. They're both, they're okay, both, sort of like, they're both what I would consider thrillers in a way. Okay. But in, in the, not so, in the way I wrote them. I, I wrote them as cinematic thrill rides, both, you know. Okay. Some stories you're more like you're playing with ambiguity or it's more creepy or it's more, yeah. uh, you know, more just like straight horror or whatever. Th those I kind of wrote as. As, you know, heart like, pounding as th right they're supposed to be like thrill thrill rides and fun yeah. and stuff like that so that's for sure yeah i'll definitely read that tonight <laughs> yeah i um, like that story too yeah um so if you were this is just a hypothetical not that you'll you know maybe you will i don't know but if you could pick like you know any any horror i guess icon to write a story about you know, Freddie, Jason, Chucky, Michael Myers, whoever, who would you, which, which playground would you like to, to get down in? Oh man, I'm not a slasher guy. So I hear yeah, that was just, those were bad no, examples, but you know, who like Dracula, the whole, like, yeah, all yeah. the, all the classic villains. Um, um, I would say Frankenstein, but with it with the but then i would change my mind I would, because i would say frankenstein because i'm a, such a, i love that book it's one, it's one of my favorite novels um and but i feel like it's been so many people have done frankenstein i did do recently i did write a vampire story which i which i didn't think i would ever do um uh i i, don't, I think i'd go mummy oh okay i think i'd go mummy i think i'd like to do something with the mummy that hasn't been done before. Um, there's something about, there's something about the mummy that's really like eerie. 
like not the not the not the Brendan Fraser action movie mummy movies. Yeah. The Tom Cruise. Not the Tom Cruise movies. But like the old ones, right? Where they where like the where they it's there's you know the guy's slow where they're like slowly unraveling. And I'd always like the mm-hmm. idea of a this you know, with the you know, the classic like wrapped in toilet paper kind of mummy, you know, and um I don't know, something about that that I find very alluring. So I, I, I would see I could see some, doing something with with that. That'd be that'd be my pick. I don't like zombies. I'm not a zombie guy. Um, I'm not really a slasher guy. I'm like, I know I don't sound like a horror writer right now, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I I think I would like to do. I just don't like things that have been overdone. I guess that's my thing. Um, yeah, and vampires I like have been original, done to death. Yeah, I like original stories. I like original ideas. So I think that's probably why I'm saying all that stuff. But um, yeah, but I would say uh, I would say the mummy. That that'd be my answer. That's a good answer. I don't, I don't know what I was expecting you to say. Classic but yeah, mummy, cool. classic Universal. Yeah, studio sure. mummy, not 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 dark universe mummy. Yeah, I you know how badly I wish that would have worked out. The dark universe. I kind of do too. It was like really yeah. cool for like five minutes. Yeah, conceptually, like it it had every like it's a very basic idea and if they would have just kept it that basic idea and just made all these kind of little interlinking like the mcu yeah. of horror basically like it could have been so great well, so they did okay yeah so what they the problem they did was they i do I, i'll never forget the photo there was like a vanity fair photo and it, like, it was johnny depp and tom cruise and and it was like the dark universe and and i was like oh man that's gonna fail but um <laughs> And, uh, but what I thought was interesting was that the invisible, they did the invisible man with Blumhouse and, and it was a huge hit. And I think the reason it was a huge hit was because they had like a very unique modern take on the concept of the invisible man. And they did it for, and they did it basically a low budget, you know, movie. Um, I think it's probably a $10 million movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I wish they had done all the movies like that. Like instead of doing like a giant blockbusters thing, uh, I would rather have them found unique voices, uh, fil- unique filmmakers, um, you know, independent filmmakers and given them For like, sure. look kid, here's 50 million bucks, make us, you know, an original, Give us a fresh take on, you know, um, whatever, the, more, yeah. the Frankenstein monster or something. And I think you would have had a lot of really cool, interesting things. I think they kind of went, they went for the the other way. They threw hundreds of millions of dollars at it and had like Tom Cruise and people like that doing it. And, um, and I just think for those, for that specific subject matter, which is these classic horror tropes, I think you could have had such amazing stories by if you had brought in like Robert Eggers or whoever, somebody to do a really mm-hmm. original take on, um, yeah. then I think they would have been very successful, but like most Hollywood things, they did it wrong. Yeah. Kind of shit the bed there. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. Cause uh, they had, who, I think Russell Crowe was Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. And like he was going to be a, kind it of was the, a, hot, it was a hot mess. Yeah. And like it, yeah, that's, that's one of those just in another, in another world that is the, the biggest franchise of all time and I wish I lived there what's the most recent uh, scary movie you've seen god this are is, you a big just, movie guy I'm just 
I'm just killing myself here. I'm not really a big horror movie guy. Um, uh, I saw, I did, I do watch them when they come out because I'm, I'm find them, I'm interested in in what people are making. I think the last horror movie I saw was um, the Dracula on a Boat one. What was that called? Uh, last Ride of the Demeter. Demeter. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Um, uh, I think that was. I think that was the last horror movie I saw. Yeah, which I saw a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, again, you know, I just, I, I'm not, a, not a huge, not a, I'm not a huge like movie guy either. Like I just don't, um, I mean my, I read a lot, so I'm usually reading something versus watching something. Um, and I don't, and I do read a lot of horror because I, I, you know, I read a lot of the new authors who are out there and, um, and I, and I, you know, and I read a lot of my friends' books or whatever, but, um, but outside of that, I really, I don't, I read pretty widely. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, so that's kind of where I get most of my, and I read a lot of nonfiction. So I, that's kind of where I generate most of like my, my ideas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, but yeah, so I don't want to, but so I don't watch a ton of movies. I usually watch my wife and I will watch like a horror movie, you know, on the weekend or, or, or something. Um, but yeah, I, I saw, um, I saw, uh, killers of the flower moon recently. That was, that was kind of a horror movie. Um, which is okay. It's really hard for movies and TV shows to impress me. I'm very, I'm a very hard guy to impress. And, um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I like, I liked, um, I think hereditary to me was a great movie. Um, probably one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. And so that like that, that's, but that was like now what, three, four years ago. So that's kind of, but those are the, so rarely am I impacted by something I'll see like that, but hereditary impacted me, drag me to hell by Sam Raimi, which is probably now oh, yeah. probably 20 years old. Who knows? Yeah. That's, you know, I'm still like, I'm still rewatching the thing, you know? <laughs> and so Nothing and wrong aliens, with that. yeah. And aliens and jaws and that kind of, so it's, and, so yeah, I kind of, it's, I kind of, you know, um, it's very hard for me to be impressed by a, by a film, but um, I loved, you know, I thought the witch was, was, was wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. The Eggers movie. And so, yeah, so there's, I do like them, uh, but I, I don't, I don't watch a ton of them. I, I recently I've been finding myself enjoying the, uh, the new, the newest trend, which is the horror comedy. Um, like Friday, what was it called? Freak, like Freaky, the one of Vince Vaughn. Yeah. That was yeah. really that was really entertaining happy death day was i i like those movies because i like to be entertained when i'm watching a movie and i think those mm-hmm. are really i like that kind of like fun goofy nature of it more than like and then like i saw terrify terrifier terrifier 2 whatever yeah i don't know those things just don't interest me it's like i don't get why i'm i don't get why i'm watching it like i don't get what yeah. I'm, i don't know what i'm supposed to be feeling right now other than annoyed that i'm watching this like <laughs> non-stop barrage of violence uh with no plot whatsoever mm-hmm. um is not interesting to me i like stories so uh, for sure yeah and as i've as i've the, gotten the voice of the gym meter was was fine it was it was popcorn fair I, yeah I didn't have a problem with it. 
I think intention a lot of the time is is uh, lost on people. Um, my dad, love him to death, but he is someone who I feel is overly critical on movies because he s- sometimes forgets that like it's a movie's job is to entertain, and and yeah. it's not just to entertain, but you know, like, and I feel like he, if he could just open himself up a little more to just being entertained, that he could, you know, he'd enjoy a lot more movies than he does. I think. Which isn't to say he hates everything, but you know, neither. No, well, I'll I'll take that a step further, and I've said this before. And with in my personal opinion, I think I don't care what kind of movie you make, unless it's a documentary. But I don't care what kind of movie you make, or what kind of book you write, fiction book again, stories. My in my opinion, my humble personal opinion, your number one job is to entertain the audience or entertain the reader. I don't care if it's the most artsy fartsy movie. I don't care if you're writing, you know, you know, you're, you're writing some brilliant national book award winning prose piece about, you know, mothers and daughters, whatever it is. I, it's gotta be entertaining first and then it can be brilliant and then it can be beautifully written and then it can be beautifully shot and then it can be a masterpiece, but it's gotta be entertaining because if it's not entertaining, then what are you doing? Then you're making me watch something Okay, it's your art. Okay, so then I then then that's fine. But then hang it in a gallery. I don't know. It's right. like you're putting it. If it's on like Netflix or if it's on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, you got to entertain me first, and then you can do all the great stuff to make it a great film. Like I watched. Um, speaking of Robert Eggers, I watched the Lighthouse movie. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was called. And the Lighthouse. The called the Lighthouse. And I thought it was like I was really I was really um, impressed with um with with the vision of it and i was really impressed with the acting i had no idea what the movie was about or what <laughs> happened um other than two guys were singing a lighthouse going crazy for two hours i know there were deeper themes and meanings and i know all that stuff but i was kind of like that was the story was like that movie was like right in the end you're like ah i feel like we needed 10 percent more plot just 10 percent. i'm not saying make it a marvel movie but just maybe a story this may be a story, like a beginning middle yeah. end story would be, would be my jam. But I get a lot of people don't like. A lot of people like. Let's just make it an ambiguous art piece, and that's okay too. But for me, my personal take is, man, you got to tell me a story that engages me. I want to be interested in the characters. I want to be interested in what happens to them. I want to know. Want to know how the story ends. I want to mm-hmm. know what's going on if that's possible. Um, and then, and then it can be all those great, wonderful, artistic things. So that's just. That's my, that's from your dad and I are sort of, I guess, at different wavelengths, but, but that's sort of, I don't look at things critically until I'm entertained first and mm-hmm. then I'll, and then I'll examine it critically. I'm with you hundred percent on that. I, no, my number one priority when I'm reading anything, when I'm writing anything and watching whatever is story. I, I love storytelling. That is my, yeah. that, I, that's just the whole thing for me. And that is actually where I kind of. See, I agree with you on a lot of things based on this conversation, the last conversation we had, but hereditary. And I don't know if we talked about this last time, but, and man, people who listen to me talk about things have probably heard me say this a million times, but I just, I think hereditary, I think Ari Aster is one day going to make a horror film that I consider to be one of the best movies one of the best horror films, maybe even films, period. I think he's got a technical mastery 
of filmmaking that I don't know if we've ever seen it before. He is yeah. so technically proficient. It's unreal. I just was so thoroughly underwhelmed by Hereditary. Wow. I, I wish I wouldn't have been. Yeah, like it. I was I, the opposite. I was blown away. Yeah, and and, and I, I was underwhelmed. I, I was underwhelmed by Midsummer. So and see that one blew me away. <laughs> there you go. It's all about taste. I mean, everything's so personal. Everything's so, so subjective. It wasn't gonna. Um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah. Well, glad we both like dragged me to hell. There you go. There's. There's. Oh there's, yeah. It was funny. I was talking to. It, it, this is how interesting it is. Uh, uh, how so? How how subjective stuff is. So I was I was. Um, hanging out with uh, Paul Tremblay at, when I was on my book tour and we did an event together and we went to dinner and we were just chatting about whatever. And, and, um, and movies came up and, and, <laughs> and I was like, and we, we, and we, I don't know how it came up, but we were talking about alien and, and he was like, Oh, I love alien. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Aliens is my favorite, like probably my favorite movie ever. And he's like, Oh, you mean alien? I'm like, no, I mean, aliens. Well, <laughs> the James Cameron sequel. He's like, that's like an action movie. And I'm like, yeah, but it's awesome. And it's, and it's like so well done. And like, he broke, like that movie begat so many action movie tropes that are now like in every other movie were stolen from aliens. I mean, I could go on about aliens for an hour, but, (laughs) and, uh, but, but yeah. And I was like, no, aliens. Great. Don't get me wrong. But aliens is the, Come on, that's the come on, that's the greatest movie ever. Like, well, it's so, but it's funny. It's just like, but that's exactly how nuanced it is. Like, you have two horror writers sitting in a you know in a room, and one guy's like, "Alien is the best movie of all time," and the other guy's saying, "No, Aliens is the best movie of all time." And of course, oh, yeah. I was right. But um, <laughs> but that's but that's to that point. Everything is subjective, and that's why with art, with books, and you know things like that, you know, um, that's why you can't get down about an editor not liking your book or a reader not liking your book because ultimately it's one person's opinion and the very next person to pick it up could have the exact opposite response, you know? And, um, I, you know, so I, I, I think it's, it, it, it's art is subjective. It's why it's called art, you know? And so yeah. I think it's just, um, I think it's, I think sometimes, people have to remind themselves that not everyone is going to like your story and not everyone is going to like your book and not everyone's going to like your movie. But to your point from earlier on, you just try and make it as professional as you can. You do the best job you can and that's all you can do. And then you move on and you write another story. Yeah. I think the, the whole concept of subjectivity is like, cause like on Twitter and Reddit, Instagram, whatever, like it's, it's insane how like, Someone will just put up, not even trying to, you know, push something as this is the best, but like someone puts up a movie like, oh, I love, or I, I love The Wire. And then immediately the first comment, Breaking Bad is better. The Sopranos is better. And then it just devolves into, yeah. yeah. And like, it just devolves into people just trying to shit on the other person for, you know, oh, I, you have shit. Right. How could you think that's better? Like, and it's let like them it's have a single thing. Let them just have their opinion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Social media and I don't always get along. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, I try not to have opinions anymore. Um, like the minefield that is social media, uh, is something that I've become very, very sensitive, sensitive to. And, Mm -hmm. um, like you can't really say much of anything other than here's a cat 
Here's my cat. Here's my book. Here's my cat. Okay, bye. And, and if anybody has slowly, a problem with your cat, I'm packing slowly away now. Um, yeah, yeah, I've uh, I, yeah, I won't go into it, but um, but yeah, no, I and that's exactly right, but and that's why you know, and I think also there is, um, I think also with reviews uh, these days with the advent of with the with social media and TikTok and all that kind of stuff. I think it is such a powerful tool and because people are basically making careers out of um, being uh, uh, influencers, right? Mm -hmm. That now it's not just like, oh, you have a two-star review on Amazon, somebody saying they didn't like your book. Now it's there's a five minute video of somebody on TikTok saying they yeah. don't like your book, and here's all the reasons why I don't like their book. And and they and a lot of times those people, good for whether it's a positive review or a negative review. And by the way, I'm not being critical of those people. Please do not cancel me. I'm just I'm just talking out loud about this phenomenon. But um, they are they are not so much they are while they are while they are discussing a product that they that they either it's a, a book or a movie or a hair care product or whatever they're doing, whatever their, whatever their, their lane is. They're not just, they're not just discussing that product. They are also marketing themselves. They are mm -hmm. creating a, they want it, they, you know, they are, they're creating their own brand. So they're kind of, so now it's become more of a, of a presentation and it's got more of a personality and it's more about them as much as it is about, what it, they're talking about. So um, I think that has led to more conflict between creators and critics than existed in the past because it's become so much more of a, of a, of a thing to, to be yeah. a reviewer, to be a critic, to be a critic is now like a job you know, obviously there's critics who are for newspapers and magazines that have been doing it for hundreds of years, or whatever, but I'm thinking, but now it's like, but there's now there's now there's all these influencers and they're all creating their own brands and they all want to try and get traffic. So they're being shocking or they're being extra mean or they're being extra nice. or they're doing movies or whatever it is. So it's just um, it's point of all that to say that now more than ever, it's very important to for creators to let those influencers have their space and for those influencers to let the creators sort of have their space. And I think when those two things bump stuff goes it's like it's like an atomic blast stuff goes yeah. really bad really fast and it can get blown way out of proportion very quickly so i think it's just important speaking to both influencers and creators that everyone gives each other their own their own space to do what they do and that's why i don't read reviews and um you know and and that's just because it's just not my place it's that's for readers and that's for reviewers or influencers. And um, sometimes you can't help it because, you know, someone will say your name. And so TikTok says, you know, here's here's two videos where people said your name or said the name of your book. And so mm -hmm. you click it and, and then you wish you hadn't. So I now I've actually stopped using TikTok, too, because it, because of that. So, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a real minefield. I don't look at Goodreads anymore. I haven't looked at Goodreads in a couple of years. I, I mean, I say, when I say I don't look, I don't read the reviews on Goodreads. I, I look, I check my, I check to see how many, re, how many reviews and where my star 
rating is just yeah. how the book's being received or whatever. But I don't, I never read reviews on Amazon or Goodreads. Um, even if, cause the, the way writers are wired is you can read, you can read 12, five star reviews in a row. And you'll be like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And then there'll be like a two-star review and you'll be like, and it'll ruin, <laughs> right, it'll ruin your day, right? And you'll be, oh yeah. so, so it's better off just not reading them at all. Um, so that's what I, it's, that's my advice to young writers. It took me, and it's, it's one of those things, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was listening to an athlete, professional athlete, they were being interviewed and they were talking about, uh, being booed. And then they were talking about being, being, um, dragged in the press and they were like i had to learn and the uh, the athlete said i had to learn to tune all that stuff out and i had to learn to be more callous and i had to learn to be less of a human about when it came to criticism and it was interesting because they were like and they said i can't remember they're paraphrasing but they were like it's kind of bummed me out bums me out a little bit because I like being out there. I like being part of the community. I like interacting with people and interacting with, but I had to kind of like pull back and put a wall up and not be so open because it's become too harmful to me. And it's, and, um, and I've, in a way as a writer, I've had to learn that too. I love being accessible and I love interacting online and all that kind of stuff with people, but I've had to kind of put up a little, I've had to put barriers up. And I can't really be as open and accessible as I w- once was because I'm because there's there's too many people coming at you with you know negative energy and mm-hmm. and so you so um, so yeah so you kind of it's kind of lonely you know in a way you have to sort of isolate yourself um, from all of that interaction and you can't really be part of that world so it's it's something but that's something you have to learn uh, as a writer or as an artist I'm sure um, but that's that's a long tangent from a, from a question that I don't remember what, what it originally was, but, but that's kind of my take on, 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 on modern being an artist in today's, in today's world, you know, the things you have to watch out for. For sure. For sure. Yeah, no, I, um, I, a few years ago, I stopped really, I stopped using social media for any kind of personal reasons and only very, like I tweet once or twice a week maybe and if i do it's generally just writing related and i have so many like keywords blocked so i don't see like i don't want to see politics on twitter i don't want to right. see religion I've you know whatever couple, it I've is i've got a couple keywords blocked in the politics yeah side yeah yeah and um it's but on the other hand and like i i feel like my life is you know there's a market improvement because i'm not dealing with any of that kind of crap all day but at the same time uh, my my book sales were doing fine, but then a certain Facebook group kind of picked up my book and was like, "Oh, this is a good book." And then everyone there started, you know, going doing it on their TikToks and their Twitters and their Instagrams, and it blew up. And my sales yep. like moved up literally like ten times as many. And I'm like, "Damn it, stop! <laughs> Come on, universe, stop showing me I need this thing I don't want to use." Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, the re- the reality is. Yeah, yeah, social media is part of the deal. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to be, I mean, I, I'm sure. There, I mean, look, I, in my in my opinion. So I'm always like these days. Everything I feel like I, anything I say is a room full of eggshells. But um, in my opinion, social media has to be part of being a writer. Um, 
for for a couple. We, I just did a panel for I, I was just two nights ago. Or I, I was on a panel. Uh, New York University invited me to to speak to a um, a room of graduates along with a couple other writers, <clears throat> and um, and one of the things that we discussed was social media and and um, and we were like, yeah, it's it, it's you have to you have to be active, you have to be on it. You need to have a website, you need to have a newsletter, you need to have be on social media. Um, and because publishers uh, these days um, are are much less about marketing and promoting the books that they buy um, and, and distribute, um, they're more reliant on the authors to do all the marketing and promotion um, for their own books. So even like the big fives I'm talking about, um, mm -hmm. unless you're Stephen King or unless you're the top 1% of their of their raw author roster, you know, you're, you're doing it on your own. So social media is the only real way you can do it on your own cost effectively. You're not going to be paying tens of, I mean, unless you want to pay $5,000 a month for a publicist or spend $50,000 putting ads in magazines, you know, you're basically you, social media is all you have. So you kind of have to do it. Um, and it can be very, it can be great. Um, it's, but it can also be, it can also be dangerous. So you have to just do your, 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 you know, I think you're doing it right, which is uh, interact in the most, you know, v vanilla possible way, be, you know, accessible, promote the book and, um, and, um, but yeah, but don't, but be careful what you say and, yeah. and uh, be careful, you know, and, and how you say it uh, because it's, it's like, you know, when you get an email and, and you miss and you misunderstand the email because there's no tone attached to it. Mm -hmm. It's just text. So you're yeah. like, well, what does it mean? Does it mean? Da, da, da. It's kind of like that. Like that's what Twitter is. Twitter is like the ultimate, like out of context, monotone, toneless uh, way to express yourself. So um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a minefield, like I said, but yeah, I, it is unfortunately like, I mean, Twitter slash X is a, is a dumpster fire at this point. Um, it really is. Facebook is fine. I mean, I've had the most engagement success, um, which really kind of caught me off guard when um, Boys in the Valley came out last summer, this past summer. Uh, my Instagram became sort of my my home base for promotion for, for promoting that book, and where where I had the most active promotion. Um, from reviewers and bloggers and book talkers and all that kind of stuff. So the, far more than Twitter and far more than Facebook, it was really all about Instagram. So that was kind of interesting, um, interesting to me. Uh, I hadn't really caught me off guard. So, but yeah, you got to be on there and you got to be doing stuff um, because that's it's part of the deal. And as a, you know, if you want people to know about your book, you got to be out there. But kind there are writers who. Yeah. I mean, there are writers like, you know, Craig Davidson slash Nick Cutter, you know, who is, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't do social media. It was, he, you know, he just couldn't handle it psychologically mm -hmm. and emotionally. And I totally understand that. So, sure. he, but he's successful enough where he kind of didn't, doesn't really need to do it, but he's not on social media. You know, I think of Bentley Little, you know, Cemetery Dance author and whose books probably don't do as well because he's not on social media, but I don't think he really cares. They do well enough that he can keep writing them and mm -hmm. apparently etch out some sort of life. So, you know, it, it is possible, but those are the anom anomalies, you know, unfortunately.
Yeah, um, for sure. Um, so uh, we're actually getting close pretty much to the time I kind of thought we'd try to stick to here. So I guess the last question I just have, what are you reading right now? Um, I am reading a book by an author named John Durgan that I can't recall the name of the top of my head. Um, it's an, it's a, it's an, it's an, it's an advanced reader copy of a book that's coming out, um, Mm. from Darklit press next year. And I'm reading, um, a yellow face by RF Quang. Quang. And that one. And I'm reading, I usually read like five or six books kind of at the same time. So that's why, um, and, um, I'm reading the new Tim Levin book that comes out next year. Oh, and I'm reading a book called Big Swiss. That's really kind of interesting and funny. Um, and uh, and I think that's basically, and I'm reading like, I'm rereading, a, I'm rereading a Hemingway uh, that I haven't read in a decade for fun. Uh, I don't know. I, my, my, that's, I think that's pretty much what's on the TBR stack or the, the actual, not TBR stack, the being, the BR stack, the being right stack. <laughs> it's on my, next to my chair. Um, nice. yeah, so those are, I wish I could remember John's book. Let me see if I can look it up really quick. John Durgan. Cause that way I can give him a little plug. John. For sure. But, um, yeah. And I'm really enjoying all of, I just, I'm waiting for Brian anxiously waiting for, um, Brian Evanson's new collection to arrive. You're um, both. But oh, it's oh yeah, here it is. It's um, Kosa, K O S A. Kosa. Yeah, he's he's got a few books out. Um, John does. So yeah, I'm reading his new book right now. So yeah, so that's what that's what I'm up. To. I just reading. Yeah, Tyler Jones. I read recently. He was his new book Midas is really good. Um, yeah, and, yeah. So that's what I'm reading right now. Awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Uh sitting down with me for a little while here is there uh where can people find you if people want to grab your books people want to hear more of what you got to say yeah so as i mentioned i'm on social media facebook twitter and instagram um on social on facebook there is a group called fracassi freaks which is was started by some readers um where i spend most of my time these days um because i engage directly with with readers and it's a really fun community and there's like 600 people on there now. So that's a good place to go if you awesome. are interested. Um, and then uh, my website is uh, P for Like it says in the little window there, but just P for And uh, that's, and then that, yeah. And you can join my newsletter there or you can get more information about my books and all that kind of stuff at my website. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Everybody go by boys in the Valley. I'm almost done with it, but I already give it my recommendation, which is, I mean, my opinion means nothing, but I like it. So yeah, Birds <laughs> of the Valley is a fun one. Gothic's a fun one. Uh, Child Alone with Strangers is pretty fun. All these books came out in the last year, so they're all <laughs> they're all out there. Um, and then I have a story collection coming out in April called No One Is Safe. Hell yeah. And then I have Serafina coming out in the fall of next year, and then January of 2025, my first science fiction novel comes out from Orbit. Uh, worldwide so lots, lots your of output stuff is going. insane dude <laughs> i can't imagine just having that much stuff ready to go <laughs> yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of work <laughs> I bet, but yeah i'm dude, very but... fortunate i'm very fortunate that these publishers all are interested in are interested in my my work and put it out get it out there so it's fun and we're fortunate for, to have it all coming out 
Well, thank you very much, Philip. I will talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thank you. No problem. Take care.